This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Rudy Giuliani. This is a Rudy Giuliani. Welcome, America, to the Rudy Giuliani Show. And um, we are living in, uh, you know, a lot of times people say interesting times. We're living in perilous times. I don't know that all Americans, uh, you know, we all, we all are so busy with all the things that 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 uh, concern us, the normal things, and then the uh, considerably additional concerns added by this. Um, I don't know how we describe this president. The softest word would be incompetent president, who has taken the, the, uh, in every almost every respect taken the direction of the country and turned it around to a declining country. Uh, both in foreign policy and and, in economic power, and then just in morality, decency, and the fair uh, and equal uh, administration of justice, which is something one never thought could happen in America. But when uh, when you have a president who... Well, I mean, let's before before we get to him, who is surrounded by a group of people that appear to be playing out of Karl Marx's playbook and trying to make us into a one-world communist-type government, you you you, um, you have these things happening. I mean, there is no one that really can escape the fact that this action by Alvin Bragg is the act of a fascist government, a fascist prosecution system. This is, as a former prosecutor, this is unthinkable. This is what would happen in the 1980s when I was an, a U.S. attorney in East Germany and the Soviet Union. This used to happen in Nazi Germany. Political, entirely political prosecutions. You take a misdemeanor, false document which arguably might not even be a misdemeanor because when you're dealing with a non-disclosure agreement, there's a certain degree of falsity to it, or at least euphemism to it. The whole purpose of it is so that the two parties who are consenting adults, unlike uh, the uh, sexually related crimes of Bill Clinton for which he was given a total pass, not to mention the actual clear federal crime of perjury that he committed, uh, here, there's uh, a substantial doubt as to whether there was even an underlying misdemeanor with regard to the NDA. Uh, and also the participation of the defendant in that, the defendant being Trump, since he was relying on advice of counsel, albeit a crooked, dishonest, pathological, lying client, um, who you will see by the time we're finished with this show, as of even as of yesterday, was lying uh, boldly, right in your face. Uh, so we take this misdemeanor, which is not maybe even a crime under these circumstances, and it's and then we ratchet it up to well, it's helping to accomplish uh, the crime of an illegal campaign contribution, except 
the federal government has already uh, uh, investigated the federal campaign contribution uh, charge and not brought it. And not only that, there's a body of scholarly opinion, uh, including uh, commissioners of the Federal Election Commission, Democrat and Republican. The Edwards case that resulted in in an acquittal because they went too far. And here's the point. Uh, This payment, which Donald Trump says was made uh, really because she was trying to shake him down, uh, that he did not have uh, sex with her. She says that he did. Uh, I believe him for personal reasons and uh, as well as others. But I'm going to put that aside as a lawyer. uh, And uh, the fact is, these are two consenting adults who decided that rather than uh, fight it out, she'd rather take the money and go and not have to go through the vagaries of a trial where even if she's right, she might lose. Or she could get less than she, she was being offered. And she spared the cross-examination that would likely come, given her background. Uh, On his uh, side, assuming uh, that he's correct and he didn't do it, which I believe, why would you settle? Well, come on, there are a hundred reasons. One called a wife, the other called your children, the other called your family. And that's you know, uh, predominates over any political reason. And the law is pretty clear that a campaign contribution, if it really is motivated by something else of equal or possibly more importance, is not a campaign contribution. In other words, something you'd pay anyway. So um, I think this wasn't going to trial whether he was running for president or not, and it was going to get settled. And it got settled, and it did. maybe it helped politically, maybe it didn't help politically. But uh, a more important motivation was the personal motivation. Cohen himself, in the testimony that Costello gave yesterday, was very fulsome on that, that he did this to help Melania to a very large extent, for whom he had a great deal of affection. He actually did it to suck up. You want to know his motivation? People want to know, well, why would Cohen put this money out? Which is actually the truth. That's what happened. Uh, That's the story he told Chris Cuomo uh, for two hours on tape, which I happen to have, in which Chris Cuomo tried almost to the point of uh, badgering him to get him to change the story, and he just wouldn't. Nor would he do it with Bob Costello, who fortuitously was able to do this because Cohen stupidly waived the attorney-client privilege. Imagine his own lawyer coming in and saying, don't believe him, he's a big liar, because he's just outraged at... uh, He's outraged at, at, at how he is lying about this. Uh, I mean, that... Now, you should know that Bob Costello is a very, very a distinguished lawyer. He represented uh, the likes of George Steinbrenner, Leona Helmsley, lots of other very important uh, defendants. He, re- he represents me. Uh, He also, I have known Bob since he was at Fordham Law School, Uh, way back in the year 1970, he was my student assistant. I was an assistant U.S. attorney, first year. He was in his second year at Fordham Law School, and he worked for me as a student assistant uh, and helped me, you know, get my cases together, and we remained friendly 
largely because of our love of the Yankees and sports. We went to Yankee games on occasion, uh, and that's basically the way we socialized. And um, although he went to the U- came to the U.S. Attorney's Office, he came after I had left as U.S. Attorney and had a very distinguished career there and was promoted to the chief or the assistant chief of the cr- criminal division. I don't remember which because I was gone by then. And then went on to have all of these clients and had a great career. And we, again, remained friends, not close personal friends, but friends. And uh, then when I came back as U.S. Attorney, uh, we went to Yankee games occasionally, spent a lot of time talking about the Yankees, which, you know, is a, um, I don't know, some people say an obsession, uh, but a nice one. And, um, and, then, and then I, tur- I turned to him uh, when I was in trouble, uh, number one, because he's one of the best lawyers I know, but number two, because a lot of my friends walked out on me, as did my law firm. Now, you don't know what was done to people who represented Donald Trump. We were treated like, uh, we were treated like scum. Uh, we were treated like uh, we always feared the lawyers who represented terrorists might be treated, or the lawyers who represented vicious murderers or Nazis, all of whom at times have been seen as heroes because they would take on difficult causes. But no, no, those of us who represented Donald Trump, and it's not just me, and I'm not complaining just for myself, essentially the effort was to bankrupt us and destroy our law practice. In my case, they went so far as to bring completely specious uh, charges uh, to suspend my law license, which they never would have done before. Now, the whole basis for the suspension of a law license is basically the exercise of my First Amendment right to have an opinion. And then, to some extent, to advocate uh, uh, aggressively for my client. But Donald Trump's not entitled to that. I mean, the best example of that is that they went... The FBI went and took my iCloud account without telling me four years ago or three years ago on the day. What, what date did they take it on or relate it back to the day I began representing Donald J. Trump, the president of the United States? They have the audacity to take the iCloud account of the president's lawyer. Oh, and by the way, they gave it up the day I finished representing him. So what were they after? Uh, can we draw an inference from that, that they were after attorney-client information? Uh, anyone ever tell them the Sixth Amendment makes that a very serious constitutional violation? And does the Constitution mean anything to these Democrats? Mm-mm. Just like it doesn't mean anything to, um, just like it doesn't mean anything to, to, to brag. He's going to take a ridiculous misdemeanor that's a joke. He's going to ratchet it up to a felony that the federal government decided wasn't a crime. And 52% of the times last year, uh, in many cases leading to uh, 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 physical violence, theft, maybe even death, he would ratchet a, uh, a, a felony down to a misdemeanor. I mean, this, man, uh, this man's uh, adherence to his insane political ideology and his corrupt relationship with Soros, where Soros put in all this money for him, and he's carrying out the Soros agenda, as are about 40 other district attorneys throughout the United States, is one of the reasons this country is in a uh, unique crime wave, and one in which uh, last year, or the year before, 
Uh, 17 cities sent records for murder. Almost all of them Soros selected cities with million dollar DAs put there. And Soros is presiding over the slaughter of uh, many young black people because they're disproportionately the ones who are killed by the people who are let out of jail by the Soros DAs, which is what their general mission is. They also are the DAs who let all the rioters go free. The rioters who burned, pillaged, murdered, uh, did considerably more damage, not even comparable to what was done on January 6th, but have all gone free, as opposed to being held in prison uh, without trial for a year and a half, getting all kinds of illnesses and being kept under conditions that kind of reminds you of the Japanese internment for what is increasingly turning out to be a very ambiguous and that's kind event if you watch Tucker Carlson. If you watch Tucker Carlson, you also saw my lawyer Bob Costello last night. Uh, And when you come back, we're going to listen to a little of that. But when later on tonight, uh, you you should be able to hear Bob on the uh, on on John Castamatidi's show. Uh, I'm pretty sure Bob is going to be I'm going to say I was going to say a witness. <laughs> I still think he's a lawyer. Uh, he's going to be a uh, 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 a guest on the show, and um, you make your own mind up. and uh, And then listen at eight o'clock tonight to my my show. I'll play some of the tapes, and maybe we'll have Bob on also. Just like you don't look at these two guys, you know, Costello and 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 Cohen, and see who who do you think's telling the truth. You think, uh, I didn't waive the attorney-client privilege. I didn't waive the attorney-client privilege. You think Cohen's telling the truth? We'll be back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Rudy Giuliani. This is Rudy Giuliani back uh, with the Rudy Giuliani Show. And uh, let's let's uh, uh, go over one other point here uh, with regard to this uh, extraordinarily un-American, dangerous act on the part of one of Soros' henchmen, uh, Alvin Bragg, who should have been removed as a, a, a DA the moment he said he wasn't going to prosecute uh, armed robbery. What the heck? I mean, that's saying I'm going to violate my oath. He's talking about breaking the law in terms of uh, uh, m- m- making a deal to settle a case. And he said he w- – I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is beyond anything – I imagined when I saw the hard drive, I said to myself, my God, this country can't have this Biden as president. He's a complete 30-year crook. Who told me he was a 30-year crook? His son in one very cogent text in which he says, for 30 years, I've been paying all the expenses of this family and giving half my income to pop. And then all of a sudden, it all becomes obvious as to why he's getting all that money, right? He's not getting it because somebody... Some very wise, crooked, um, um, homicidal oligarch in Ukraine thinks he's worth $8 million, right? 
but the vice president has given out all the money in Ukraine and get a case fixed for you. It's sure worth it, right? And on and on and on and on. So now let's listen to this because one of the things that's really important as a principle in all of these prosecutions is you're going to hear uh, people say every criminal case you, you usually rely on on a on a bad guy as a witness who's become a turncoat. I mean, the bad guys call them rats. We would call them informants. I mean, all, all kinds of stuff. But what they say is once they turn state's evidence, then they're str- down the straight and narrow, and they're not going to lie. And the prosecutor assures the jury as a way of bolstering the credibility. This guy lies now, boy. We're going to put him away forever. Well, I mean, do you know how often Cohen has lied since he became a state's witness? I'll give you one. He did it right in front of the the phony House committee when he said, under oath, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And Benny Thompson said, you don't tell the truth, I'll put you in jail, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this to you. Or was it Cummings? I don't remember. One of them did. And then he, right in his face he said, I never, I never asked for a job in the administration. I didn't want a job in the administration. And within an hour, we pulled out a tape from the Chris Cuomo show in which he says to Chris, Hey, Chris, I just asked for the job of chief of staff, and right away it was given to me. That's a straight-out-and-out lie. There were six more in front of the committee. Of course, these aren't real prosecutors. These are like uh, stormtroopers, not prosecutors. They're, 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 they're agents of a, a fascist regime. So they don't prosecute people who lie after they cooperate because they were lying when they cooperated, as this guy clearly was, and that's the reason Bob Costello came forward. People have a hard time believing this. They want to know, why do I do this? Because it offends my sense of justice, and it has from the very beginning. I look at a man that took 30 years, 35 years of public service and a family. They had one commodity to sell. And that commodity was his public office. That's disgusting. And we allow that. This country's gone much sooner than we think. We'll be right back, and we'll have a conclusion of this, and then plenty more in the mayor's final thoughts. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rudy Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani back uh, with you on the Rudy Giuliani Show. And I am very honored to have uh, with me Matthew Taylor, who is an American artist and technologist who works in film and uh, sculpture and photography. Uh, Matthew has filmed over, uh, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, 50, 60 films or more 
in 25 countries, Argentina, Guatemala, Poland, Italy, France, Chile, Germany, and Albania. He's interviewed former presidents, leading CEOs, world leaders, groundbreaking artists, best-selling authors. He's completed more than 150 short films, fashion works, ballet and dance people uh, 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 pieces. He is an extraordinarily, extraordinarily skilled craftsman. And he's done uh, something really uh, remarkable for the people who have seen it. I'm yet to see it. I'm about to. And it's called Gotham, the Rise and Fall of New York. And uh, Greg Kelly, who comes on right before me, my friend, tells me it is the best. It's absolutely fabulous. And we are pleased to have Matthew with us. Matthew, how are you? Great. And pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much. Now, I couldn't come at a better time. So tell us a little about, about, the, about uh, Gotham. So, you know, it, this film is actually about what I think is the greatest American turnaround story, and that is the turnaround of New York City um, under your hands and, of course, continuing into Bloomberg. And we wanted to tell the story we started in 2019 to basically set the record straight about how it actually happened. Everyone knows it happened, but the technical details of it uh, are largely unknown. And what we realized as we got further into the film is that we actually had to show how it got there in the first place. So we span 1966 across six mayors all the way to 2013, focusing on crime, welfare, and education. Um, and it is a massive piece of work that covers a lot of details with a lot of great people like yourself, Bill Bratton, Peter Vallone. We talk about the Board of Estimates. Um, it wow. is extensive. It's, it's a massive piece of work, and we're very excited. We think it is our best film to date. Well, I've heard only wonderful things about it, and from the participation I had in it, the, the, the questioning and the, and the uh, work of the staff was fir, fir, first, first rate. And, it, uh, you know, the thing about it that I think is trying to remove myself from it for a moment is I think people need hope, and the fact that it's been done before means it can be done again you know when i when i first faced this turning around new york i was told it couldn't be done uh, by my best friends i was i was committing suicide being mayor i should run for governor so now i mean you can tell people it can be done what would you say the keys uh, key the, the the key theme of it is i think the key theme is effectively that if you realign incentives, you can solve most problems in government. And, you know, I think that a lot of the work that you did and your colleagues did was, was taking the incentives in New York City, realigning them to say whether you cleaned up the garbage trucks and, and you know, paid them more money for tonnage or, or uh, used analytics with, with Comstat. It, they realigned incentives, and hence the city turned around, reduced fear, and ultimately I think New York City has to have crime reduction in order for any other piece to go through. So nothing works unless, unless people's fear has been reduced. And I think the big thing that I like to tell, especially young people, especially tech people today, you all use analytics, you know, Comstat, Jobstat, mm -hmm. to actually find the problem and tackle it and then hold everybody in the government accountable for getting those numbers down. And that's, everything is analytics today. You guys did it first, and the results were astounding. You can see them everywhere in the city. You know, the thing about Comstat that I realized when I did it, but I, I was willing to live with it, is the one that it holds accountable the most is the mayor, particularly if you make it public. And I decided after four or five years to make it public. 
which is why we put out the crime numbers now every week. I was the first mayor to do that. And I did that so that my uh, uh, successors wouldn't slip back. Every week they'd have to be hit with crime went up, crime went down, crime went up, crime went down. And, uh, boy, no matter who you are, as a mayor, it, it affects you and creates a motivation to keep crime down. Absolutely. I, I think the, the, that's one of the big things is accountability, you know, and, and whether it's, it's the mayor, whether it was the, the, the precinct captains, you know, pulling those guys in front of the Comstat guys and blowing them up saying, why aren't the numbers down? Why aren't they down? Why, you know, what's happening? I mean, we hear stories, of course, Louis Mon is in the film, you know, about how there were huge fights about, <laughs> about Mon, you know, what a how things commander. <laughs> Oh, he's amazing. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the beauty of it is that the film has the voices of the people who were on the ground right. doing the work, you know, and that's it. We, we have Jason Turner. We have Robert Doerr talking about welfare. We have the American works of Peter Koch and Lee Bose. It's the people that did it and the people that actually fought in the trenches and their, their stories are now codified in this documentary forever for future cities to watch and learn yeah. and look, because if you could do it here, you could do it anywhere. You know, that's something that could be a great uh, uh, approach for today, workfare. Uh, workfare, work, workfare was uh, novel back then. And when you mentioned those people, that, that was, they, 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 they got, you know, what is it, about five, 600,000 people off welfare and got them jobs. <laughs> that's one of the most amazing stats, I think, in the film that people I think don't it, yeah. realize. I think the numbers... 1.2 million down to 425,000 by yeah. the end of your, of your second term. That's an insane number of reduction. And and they turned uh, the welfare office somewhat into an employment office. They, they they gave them incentives, the welfare workers incentives to find jobs for people. And a lot of that came came out of uh, and a lot of it comes out of the work of the Manhattan Institute because they were they were our intellectual bedrock. Uh, you know, it requires it requires bold action, but requires deep thinking too. And uh, absolutely. Well, I really thank you for this tremendous contribution to New York. Now, how how can people get to see this? That's I mean, that's a that's the most important. The film released today. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on Google Play. It's GothamMovie.com. It's widely available to everybody today. Uh, there's been a lot of great interviews. Uh, Commissioner Bratton has been doing some interviews. Uh, Commissioner Kelly, who's also in the film in the Bloomberg section, mm -hmm. uh, has been doing has been doing a, a lot of wonderful press talking about the things they did in their administration. So it is widely available now. We encourage everyone to watch it. And then look, hold your hold your elected officials, uh, you know, accountable because we did it here. We can do it again. One hundred percent. And thank you very very much, uh, Matthew and. Uh, couldn't couldn't come at a time where not only New York, but America needs. It. I mean, American cities. I mean, there are some suffering even worse than New York right now. It's hard to say that to the people in New York, but I travel around the country, and we sure have big problems. But we're not the, we're not in the worst shape. But there are some that really need it even more. So I hope it gets Absolutely. seen all over the country. Thank you, Matthew, and we'll have you on again. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We want to keep encouraging people to see this. Thank you. So much. Isn't that, that's encouraging, I mean, is it, you'll find this very, very encouraging, and, you know, in the next week or two, I think I'll do a podcast on this also, so I can, you know, really for the benefit of the rest of the country, too, I think this will get a great hearing in New York.
Um, Dr. Maria is uh, producing the show with me, and I, uh, she's nodding ahead also. Um, but they're going to uh, pretty soon. They're going to premiere it in Washington, and um, at tomorrow at the Re- Women's Republican Club, it's going to be played. And then next month, it's going to be played in Washington D.C. I know that, and I think there could be a group of those, you know, that sort of feature it. But I, I am going to encourage them to the extent I have anything to say about it, which is my advice. Get this once it gets saturated in New York. And I'm not saying we don't need it. We sure need it. Uh, but uh, I don't think you realize here in New York how things are worse, like in St. Louis and Philadelphia. And like when, they, when we talk about the brag problem, it's all over. The brag problem is all over, is all over the country. Well, the point I was going to make, because I want to get to a few of my calls here, is that uh, yesterday Cohen goes on MSNBC or one of those lying networks and says straight out, I never waived the attorney-client privilege. And then Costello <coughs> appears on Tucker Carlson with a signed copy of his waiver, which I happen to have in front of me right now. He's lying now. How the hell is Brad going to use him? You know what I would do to a witness of mine who went on television the day uh, a couple of days before an indictment was going to come out? Well, I don't know what I'd do to him, but if he ended up lying, I know what I would do to him. I'd throw him out. He said, quote, I never, He wasn't my lawyer, and I never signed. Uh, I don't remember signing an a, a attorney-client privilege waiver. I'd like to see it if I did. Well, <laughs> a few minutes later on Tucker Carlson, Robert Costello, and he's no match for Costello, I'll tell you that, <laughs> sticks it right up on the screen. It's like the Cuomo interview. I never asked for a job in the White House. Chris, I asked for the job of chief of staff, and I just got it. You cannot believe this man. And uh, if you listen to Costello, there's a very good reason to believe that what Trump is telling is the truth. A lot of internal arguments. This is a tragedy, whatever you think of Donald Trump, for our country. Let's go to um, let's go to John in Nevada. Good afternoon, Rudy. Hi, John. Good afternoon, Rudy. How are you, John? I'm doing good. Um, you know, the other day I heard that. The indictment was being delayed by Bragg for a week because they had one more witness to interview. Um, any idea who that witness is? And what are the chances after the interview that a witness did it all go away and they won't indict him? Well, I think the witness was a was uh, Bob Costello, who, who, who they really didn't want to interview. He forced himself in. And if you listen to him on Tucker Carlson last night, you, you can see they tried as much as possible not to have him uh, uh, provide any of the evidence that might be helpful or fair uh, to Trump. But that was the witness that they were. But, you know, uh, he's such a good lawyer, he volunteered that anyway without the prosecutors asking him. So uh, the jurors have been exposed now to the other side of the story. I mean, you have to realize that the presentation of the grand jury was being done by... Uh, I mean, anybody bringing this case is warped. So it was not a fair presentation of the jury. And if you're going to present Cohen to a jury, uh, you've got to have no sense of uh, 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 integrity. 
I mean, the man is a walking, lying machine, as I just pointed out. He goes on television last night and lies as he's trying to prove to people he's not a liar. And he sounds like a, uh, that's why I imitate him. He sounds like a, like a mafia wannabe. Yeah, I didn't do that. Uh, let's go to Paula in New Jersey. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Hi, Paula. Uh, yes, good afternoon. Um, I am going to pose something that is very important. Uh, the, uh, the Secret Service yesterday came out on the news uh, said that it would be very dangerous for uh, our beloved President Trump to come to New York. Now, when they say something like that, uh, this should be taken very, very seriously because they are in charge of uh, his safety and that this, they're, they're used to uh, hundreds of thousands of people being uh, him, uh, the, the president being exposed. So they have to be able to uh, zero in on every possible uh, uh, person that might be there. Now, if you have a, uh, a person like Mr. Bragg, who is not interested in the welfare of President Trump, psychologically, emotionally, even legally, possibly, uh, why should we even think that it's safe for him to, uh, for the president and for the Secret Service to certify that the, the president would have his physical safety be, uh, be guaranteed where he has to go? Now, the, uh, well. in fact, the, uh, there was a um, – Bragg should be suspected of things because uh, there was a um, – uh, his arraignment that would have been done online was denied by Bragg. So this is something – this is an unknown that has to be looked into, hopefully by you and other specialists and geniuses. Well, as to well I, tell you, I tell you, Paula uh, – to 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 uh, if, if the Secret Service gave that advice for Bragg to uh, disregard it over a misdemeanor case of little significance is outrageous. I mean, let's let's let, let let's let's look at what this case for what it is. We got people getting thrown on the subways in the city, and he lets them go free. The people who did it. This is a, a false uh, uh, alleged false document case between two consenting adults. And they try to ratchet it up into a more serious crime as a, you know, uh, covering up a federal crime that the federal government uh, doesn't think took place. So, I mean, this is like a crap case. Joke. A serious prosecutor would be embarrassed bringing this case against anybody. So why Bragg needs to have him brought here with all that expense? It's really for show. It's because this is a political prosecution and we are a... Under Biden, Adams, Hochul, we're a fascist state. We'll be back shortly with the mayor's final words. The Rudy Giuliani Show. There's Rudy Giuliani back uh, with uh, the mayor's final thoughts. Sponsored by T2T.org, Tunnel to Towers. It's the organization that takes care of our uniformed officers when, God forbid, they pay the ultimate price or 
they find themselves in a situation where they've been so severely injured, catastrophically injured, that it really impairs their ability to take care of themselves. So Tunnels and Towers is there to pay off the mortgage on the home for those who, 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 who have died and to uh, build smart homes for those who, who, who can make use of them and have a maximum degree of independence. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing to support? Come on. Put your $11 in. You'll never have done anything that makes you feel better, I don't think. And in our confused uh, era, this is about as clearly the right thing to do. And uh, the mayor's final thoughts, as I said, are sponsored by uh, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And my final thoughts today are, are again for my country. We've got to get beyond the politics of this. We've got to get beyond, really, the politics of, um, of this uh, 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 fascist prosecution of, um, of President Trump and of the fascist treatment of all of the Trump people. Um, and we have to get beyond the incredible situation that I wake up every day and don't understand that we have a, we have a, we have a serial, long-term career criminal in the White House. Uh, and those things are being, you know, those things are coming out like in, it's like death by a thousand cuts. They're coming out a little at a time, a little at a time. All of a sudden we find out we've gotten this huge amount of money from China. I mean, how could he be, uh, don't just sit back and say to yourself, how could this be? How could it be that China is our biggest adversary, that China has vowed to supp- supplant us by it? At, at maximum 2048, that it has, uh, in, a, in a military uh, 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 competition with us, and they've already passed us in terms of the Navy, uh, that uh, they are doing everything they can to undercut us all over the world so they can be the leading nation in the world, which means they'll be dictators, because that's what they are. They're not a, they're not a constitutional republic or a democracy or governmental laws. And, and that our commander-in-chief and his family have gotten bare minimum $31 million from them in the last five years? And his son says that 50% of everything the son gets goes to the father, who during a certain period of that time was vice president? And he's sitting in the White House making decisions about China. And every time he makes a decision about China, it appears to be in China's favor. And he never challenges them. And he gives explanations for their conduct. How about the one today where he he doesn't want them to be too upset that Taiwan's president is coming to um, California and New York? But what the hell is he doing having his administration apologize for the president of Taiwan coming here? What's he afraid of? You think that builds up in... The minds of um, Z and 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 Putin that he's an uh, he's a he's a, uh, a strong adversary or a little wimp. Oh, please don't get upset that 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 the president of Taiwan is coming here. The president of Taiwan comes here regularly. Don't get upset. Don't get upset, Chinese communists. And, and by the way, when I get out of office, he got more money for me. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen? Listen to me tonight, 8 o'clock. Try Twitter. It'll be fun. God bless you. God bless America.